What's up, Candy Lickers? Pleased to meet you. Nice to know me. What you doing? You listening to another episode of Casio's Cut. Hey, kid, look at me. Let's burn down the school with gasoline. Say, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Say, white trash. White trash. Hey, kid, it's party time. Get out the jams like the MC5. Thanks for tuning in once again uh, to the Casio's Cut Podcast. We appreciate you riding this train with us. Our numbers are growing and growing every single week. I can see you guys and gals coming back, so I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Uh, we've got a very fun uh, and exciting episode today as uh, I got to sit down with the head of security for AEW, uh, Ronnie Lang, who was also ECW Wrestling ECW. Uh, he was in charge of their security as well. And if you know anything about ECW, you know how crazy that was. And his stories are unbelievable. I'm excited that you clicked download and clicked listen on this episode. Also, our P.O. Box is up and running. And in fact, next week we will have What's in Casio's Box episode. So, Make sure, this is an ongoing thing, so if you don't get it in on this episode, our episode two of our uh, unboxing episodes, uh, you can get in on the other one. So that is ongoing. So send us anything you want in the mail. Anything you want. You want me to rock a hat with your logo on it? You got a t-shirt? You got koozies? Uh, you got funny stuff? Something you think will make me laugh? Something you think I think is cool? Anything you can think of. You can send it to the P.O. Box. It's Casio's Cut, P.O. Box 19065, Huntsville, Alabama, 35804. That's Casio's Cut at P.O. Box 19065, Huntsville, Alabama, 35804. That'll get right to us, and we've already got a, a load of packages to open up for our next episode. You can not only listen to it, but like all episodes, uh, you can watch it on youtube so make sure you subscribe to us all over social media including youtube just type in casio's cut you'll pop in do me a favor the best thing you can do is you can subscribe and you can click like on any of them that you listen to that would be greatly greatly appreciated and leave comments i want to hear some feedback from you guys also uh follow us on social media i of course my personal account is the casio kid on twitter and instagram that's the casio kid I only put one S in Casio. Leave the extra ass out. It's just the T-H-E-C-A-S-I-O-K-I-D on Twitter and Instagram. As for the podcast itself, uh, you can find uh, content there, of course, at Casio's Cut. C-A-S-I-O-S-C-U-T. At Casio's Cut on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram there as well. So now that we got all the normal housekeeping out, we want you to sit back and listen to this incredible, incredible story with Ronnie Lang, head of Atlas Security, who is doing security for StarCast, doing security for AW, and you've been all around the wrestling business for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you know, I could write a book on some of the 
the things that have happened throughout the years. Of, a lot of people tell me I should, but a lot of stuff I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the stuff I choose not to remember. Um, <laughs> and uh, But, you know, there's been so many things throughout the years in each company I could pick out. Obviously, ECW was the most, uh, had the most things that have happened in it. And, uh, you know, obviously 90% of it was involved the Dudleys yeah. as well. Whether it's going through the crowd with them or, you know, breaking up fights in the crowd and uh, even hanging out with them after the show is going to bars and breaking up fights with them in the bars. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, our, our work never ended. But a funny story was in, uh, uh, it wasn't funny at the time when we, we went out to L.A., when the feud was going on between ECW and XPW. Right. And XPW at the time was kind of little by little taking some of the ECW wrestlers because there was some pay issues and stuff like that. And uh, so when we went out, we went to the Olympic Auditorium, which was XPW's home base, so to speak, where they filmed their shows at. And uh, um, we got to the building uh I had to go right to the back. They had the cameraman that was scanning the audience for XPW people. And they had an XPW, an ex-XPW employee back there that was pointing out people to me in the crowd through the camera angle of people that we should keep an eye on or whatever. Because you're so, afraid they're going to pop off during the show, right? Correct. Well, yeah. that was the rumor. Yeah. And we knew that their wrestlers were coming because at the time it was on the internet that they were going to be coming down there. So... The idea was to, this is coming from Paul Heyman, was that, you know, we're going to have anybody that has an XPW shirt on to have their shirts get turned inside out. Okay. Because they didn't want that to be shown on camera. Okay. So, all right. So, as they were coming in, if you had an XPW shirt on, because back then, the buildings that we were doing with ECW, I was bringing in a crew of anywhere from sometimes 10 to 15 guys because we were doing small venues. And we would literally do the doors. Uh, once the show started, we would do the ring area. And then when the show ended, we'd go out and we'd do the parking lot. So we did the whole, we were, we were the security. At Top most to of bottom. These, right. It was, it was just us. So I used to bring in a full crew of guys. So when we went to the Olympic. Uh, I'm pretty sure from what I remember, it was the same deal where you know, I had a lot of guys there. So we were watching by the ring and, and uh, uh, they had their shirts turned inside out. And I believe it was the last match. Tommy Dreamer came out with uh, Francine and I think Just Incredible was involved. And um, I didn't see it and I don't think it ever really happened. But supposedly somebody grabbed Francine or touched her or something or whatever. I, I don't think it ever happened. I just think it was... The word started spreading. Well, I think it was just something that was going to happen between ECW and XPW, because I know the ECW locker room was really fired up. Like, sure. They just wanted something to happen. And they, I think they just said, nope, oh, somebody touched Francine and now it was on. So the next thing we know, so now we are now in front of the guardrail, inside the, inside the guardrails. Their guys are in the front row. And, you know, they're kind of jumping up and down or whatever. And we're, we're, now we're over the guardrails and we're escort, escorting them out. And they were going without a problem. They, they were going. And these are these are wrestlers. These are XPW wrestlers. Right. Yeah. They're not fa just fans. They're no, right. they were the wrestlers. They're on the yeah. roster. Right. I think Messiah was there. And uh, I, don't know. I, I know homeless Jimmy was there because I punched him in the face. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, so as we're walking everybody out, as we're walking everybody out, to my left, now I see here comes the ECW locker room. Boys out. 
out from okay. the back. Balls Mahoney, Big Sal. Remember Big Sal? Yeah. Um, you know, Paul Heyman coming out there. So uh, they're ready to fucking go. They're ready to go. They just wanted a reason to go. <laughs> yeah. You know, so if, if as long as if XPW didn't do anything, we were going to make them do something anyway. <laughs> just because, just because, you know. It was time. It was time. It was time. So uh, we've waited long enough. So uh, I look to my left, and here comes the ECW locker room. Holy shit! You know, here we go now. So I stayed with Paul Heyman because you know he was the he's the man. You know, and as we were all funneling out towards the front door. Uh, homeless Jimmy jumped on Paulie's back. Oh, God. So he was a little bit behind me. He Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. So I turned around and his. Uh, so I punched him in the face, not Paul. I punched <laughs> Homeless Jimmy in the face and he falls off of Paulie now and now we all go. So now we're all outside. We go through these doors and we're outside literally in the front of the building like in the street and uh, all the ECW people were beating the crap out of the XPW people. I mean, they were down the ground. Everybody was kicking them, everything like that. So the kicker to the whole thing is, is that outside there had to be about five or six LAPD highway patrol cops oh. that were standing out there and didn't do a damn thing about it because they thought it was part of the show. <laughs> Meanwhile, they were legitimately getting the shit kicked out of them. They thought it was they, a work. They thought it was a work. They were all like, hey, this is really pretty cool, you know? Like, this looks real. Well, it looked real because it was real. That's <laughs> beating going and on. I remember, right. And I remember, I remember staying with Paul, and I'm looking, and there's the cops all standing at pointing and saying, I all smiling like this is all cool and everything, you know? And I'm saying to myself, these guys are legit getting their asses kicked. <laughs> And they just stood there and watched it. I thought yeah. it was the greatest exactly. show. Exactly, right. So, I mean, it's it's just one of the things you say you can't believe that, you know, stuff like that happens. And then I remember they, they, they left, and then later on they went online and they posted pictures of their faces all bloodied and everything. And then, ironically, months later, I got a phone call from XPW. That's when Rob Black was running it at the time. And they said, listen, we want you guys to do security for us. So I'm like, first I thought it was a, like a prank call or something. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, you sure you got the right person? <laughs> I mean, months ago. We beat y'all's ass. Uh, yeah, months ago, we were just fighting with you guys out in the street. You know, they go, no, 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 we're going to be going, we're going to be going on the road. We're actually going to be taking over the ECW arena. And they're going to be doing like, they, they were going to do a, uh, a, a, uh, uh, what you right. call it? They were going to be the only company that was going to be there. Yeah. yeah. So they want us to come in and do it. I said, okay. You know, I go, guys, you got to understand. Hope you understand why we did what we did, because we were working for ECW at the yeah. time. Personally, for me, I didn't have any vendetta against anybody. It's just the people that I was working for, and I kind of thought the whole thing was a little stupid. That by doing what we did, we gave XPW. The, uh, the notoriety that they, they were a legitimate threat that they were, well not that they were a legitimate threat but they were looking for the attention they were looking for right. the headline and we gave it to them yeah and we didn't really have to do that and I just kind of thought that was I remember walking to the back later on going man you know it just it didn't need to be like that yeah know? so but uh, a lot of stories like I said most of them I've been in so many buildings and I've been in so many towns and so many places and that it all kind of looks the same to me after a while sure you know i imagine and uh but now it's it's a different world i mean I, I, even here you know i get people hey uh, you were the head of ec dirt ecw and yeah i was and 
must have been great back then, and it was because I mean back then you could literally legitimately beat the crap out of somebody <laughs> and get away with it, which was great in ECW because the more we beat people up, the more they enjoyed it. Right, they felt like they were part of the show. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell everybody when we back in back in the ECW days, I remember being in a mall on Long Island and. Uh, I'm walking around, and after a while, you keep seeing these same people, and these two guys, they were kind of like following me. So eventually, I turn around, like, guys, what's, what's up with you guys? Like, I turn around, you guys are there. Like, oh, you do ECW, right? And I go, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, that was awesome, man. We were at the show in Queens. You and all your guys beat the shit out of us and threw us out of the building. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right, man, that makes you happy. You know, you gave so them the story. It wasn't like they were at me like they wanted to jump me because of what, you know, like, let's get them back. It was like, <laughs> let's thank them for throwing us out and beating us up, you know. So Thank you for kicking my ass. <laughs> exactly. Right. Was, it's, a, it's a different world, man. Was there ever one you, you got... Hey, this one's getting a little scary. This one, you um, know, yeah, there it. was. We did the uh, fairgrounds in Detroit, and um, Bubber, Bubber, and Devon literally almost started a riot uh, there. And the only thing I really remember about that was, you know, they would they rolled out of the ring and they approached the guardrail, and uh, uh, then it was on. And I remember, you know, whenever they used that phrase. You know, well, if you won't come to us, we'll come to you. Well, that was our cue to like, all right, it's on now. Yeah. You know, so we're tightening our belts and making sure everything loose on us is tied down because, you know. <laughs> and I remember Bubba going to the rail. and he, there, was, there was a guy in the front row in dreadlocks. And I remember Bubba having the guy by the hair. He was literally pulling the guy by the hair almost as if to try and pull him over the guardrail. I'm stepping in between them. We all were stepping in between them, and that one got that one sticks in my mind as being a little a little hairy. That could have got out of control. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, they were heels, and you know everybody hated them. And you know, uh, what did I have? Maybe four or five guys there ringside, and and you know going against this this whole crowd, and and uh, it was uh, it was always a it was always a drinking crowd, and it was always yeah. a. Uh, it's a party crowd, yeah. It was a party crowd. It really was, yeah. I mean, ready for the violence. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me, too, like, which building I thought was the worst. And everybody thinks it's, it was Philly. Yeah, that's what you always hear. It wasn't. I mean, for me, it wasn't. I, when, we, when we first started, we weren't the original security for ECW. We actually had come in to replace the guys that were there when things started getting a little more violent. So when we got into Philly... We cleaned it up within a couple of months. I mean, it was like they had this big sliding door, this big sliding aluminum door by the front entrance where everybody would come in. And whenever they would open that sliding door to start letting people in, the fans would literally rush the door. Yeah, it's like that's Black Friday the, sale. Walmart. Well, that's the way it was until we got there. I'm like, no, 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 that ain't happening no more. <laughs> so from that point on, it was, okay, there's going to be a line over here. You guys are going to line up over there. And when you're coming, I remember being at the front door, and as each fan would come in, I would point to which security guard for them to go to, and they would get patted down. They'd have, And then after a while... I didn't have to tell them because it was the same fans after a while. Yeah. And they kind of got to know us. We got to know them. They knew they couldn't do anything. And it was just, okay, I know. They take everything out of my pocket. Now, Queens was a different situation because, in my estimation, it was because 
ECW did did TV in Philly a lot. So right. they, they went to Philly, I'm going to say, probably maybe every six weeks, something like that. So those Philly fans got it all the time. So for them, it was just... They were kind of trained on it. They were trained on it. Yeah. ECW is coming back. When you went to the Elks Lodge, which we never really went to as much, it was more of an event. You know what I'm saying? And the way the Elks Lodge was set up, um, it was a small room. There was a balcony, and the balcony really kind of like went jetted out a lot over the crowd below them. And there was only maybe three feet between the guardrail and the ring. So there wasn't a lot oh, of room. Oh, it was tight. It was tight. So it was a, it, it, there was no air conditioning in there. So in the summertime, it would just heat it up. And um, it was on like the third floor. And, uh, you know, for the ring crew to have to get the ring stuff up there and put the ring together, they had to use the outside. Uh, there was a uh, fire escape. They had to go up. They used to bring the the, uh, the ring crew stuff up, the fire escape outside. Equipment up the fire yes. escape. Yes, oh. in, in through a window, and then, <laughs> and then to set the ring up. Now that was one way. There was an elevator to take you up to that floor too, um, but that that was a wild place. It really was because they packed it in there. You couldn't move in there. And I remember they used to sell two liter bottles of soda. Well, okay. what they did was. When, the, when the, the soda was gone, they kept the bottles, the concession people, and they filled them with beer. So now they were selling two-liter bottles of beer. <laughs> because I remember fans walking around with two-liters bottles. I'm going, where are they getting this shit from? So at the beginning, you could buy regular beer. By the end of the show, you could buy two liters You could buy two liters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is opposite. They usually want to scale up Right, back. exactly. But, you know, that's, <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was crazy, and that was one building that really... I was more concerned about that building than I was. Because, I mean, there was one night, there was a guy that jumped out of the balcony. Jumped, out, jumped off the balcony. Just to do it. Just to do it. I think Bubba was kind of egging him on, you know, yeah, come on, you tough guy or something. And the dude jumped. You know, he didn't get hurt, but, I mean, it was just a rabid place. Just Jeez. a rabid place. And they, the stairs, I remember being, I remember being, you know, you get, for me, you get so uh, uh, callous to everything, like yeah. what, what we do. There was sometimes we never got resistance in Philly. We never got resistance. In, in New York... We used to get resistance sometimes. Sometimes guys would sneak their own beer into something, whatever, and we would catch them. And I'm like, guys, you know. And sometimes they'd be, oh, you know, whatever. I'm like, dude, listen, you can do it the easy way or you can do it our way, which is going to be the hard way. Every once in a while, I have to make an example. That's not what we're there for, right. you, you know. Um, but anyway, I remember being down in the lobby, and there's a stairway. It went up like two or three flights. And I remember being in the lobby one night, and like, fans just, like two or three fans just rolling down the stairs. And I look over. I was talking to somebody, and I just look over. I go, oh, somebody's getting thrown out. And right after those three guys came literally rolling down the stairs, you know, uh, head over heels, <laughs> here comes like two Atlas guys. And, like, you know, they're getting thrown out now, you know. And I'm just like, all right, guys, no problem, you know. But it People is, are rolling downstairs. They're rolling downstairs. Yeah, here. no, they were. It was... Uh, <laughs> But it was just that the fans loved it, man. They really did. They really did. They also bounced because they were on two liters of beer. (laughs) Right. But, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, like, now it's so different. You you can't look at anybody the wrong way. You can't touch anybody the wrong way. But even the wrestling fans now are different. Yeah, you know they. It's it's just. I think it's the it's the product of what they're watching. And obviously, if you're going to watch hardcore stuff all night long with flaming tables. 
you're gonna you're gonna draw a different demographic age wise of people. Now it's just it's it's just different now. And now these people that were watching ECW that were those crazy rabid fans that were drinking those two liter bottles of soda are now coming up to me and going, Hey, I remember seeing you in ECW, man, you know, how was it? So it's just it's different. Just wrestling in in general is, is different. Even you know, the style. Well you've seen it, you've been like you said, with with multiple multiple organizations, this has gotta be it's it's fun to be with this on the ground up. AEW. Well, it's itself. funny. I was thinking about that last night. I've I've been fortunate enough to really be part of two revolutions, the ECW revolution and then this one, yeah. and uh, to see it grow from the ground up. And it's funny how you know they say three is a charm. You know, when I started with ECW. I didn't. I, I didn't grow up as a wrestling fan. I really was not a wrestling fan. I could never understand. Like as a kid, I'm like, God, man, you know why? Why are people spending good money to go see grown men like fake punch each other? And stuff? Right. You know what I'm saying? I understand it now. Right now, now I appreciate the athleticism of it, of how what these guys go through and what they do, and and I wish I appreciated it back then, like I do now. But now they're friends of mine, and you know they're all. There's not one person I can say anything bad about. Um, but um, I've been lucky to be part of an e- early ECW and then be part of this as well. And you know, I went from ECW to WWE when they brought ECW back, and then I went from that to TNA, and then TNA, TNA. TNA kind of went under too so every time something goes under and I'm like alright this is it something else seems to pop up in this situation something new popped up but it's it's so much I don't know better is the best way to put it for lack of a better word it's just it's just it's a better company it's the people running it. And, it's a different vibe. And feel it's a the, different vibe. The ones right. you've already yeah. been with. But yeah. I mean, you know, when Cody says, you know, it's a revolution, it really is. And I think it's great for wrestling in general. Yeah. I remember I remember when when we stopped working with TNA. When we stopped working with TNA, only for the fact that they stopped going on the road and doing shows. They were just in Orlando. And, uh, uh, and like I said, I remember saying, well, you know what? This is it. And I, I'm like, all right, so I'm doing some indie shows, but then NXT came along, and NXT, in my mind, was taking up all the good indie talent. So if you wanted to run an indie company, you didn't have that talent out there to to put your shows on. You could push at the beginning, right? Yeah. And if and if you developed somebody in your indie company. And they started developing a name for themselves. NXT would come along and snatch them up. Yep. So I thought to myself, this is it. I mean, I, wrestling was always in peaks and valleys. I remember Tommy Dreamer saying that to me. And I was like, wow, well, this is really a deep valley here. And I don't see anything else. Like, NXT is killing it for the indies. And then this came along. And it all started with StarCast last year. Um, you know, we did pretty much everything everything here. And uh, we worked with Cody, and Cody had a vision of what... I didn't know what was coming down the pike. I didn't know about it. Obviously, Cody did. And um, I kept hearing, you know, something's coming up, something's coming up, but never told me what it was. But, you know, Cody had the vision of having us be with him. And then after StarCast... Um, 
we went, we finished up with him on his Ring of Honor shows for the, like the last two and a half months. Um, and uh, he brought us in on his own. I mean, he paid us out of his own pocket. And that's how much he, he wanted us there, you know. So, I mean, I owe, there's a lot of people that I owe a lot of things to, uh, to be here. And uh, in my wildest dreams, I never ever thought that I would have gotten this far with it. I mean, I've done celebrity things and, you know, outside of, outside of wrestling. And, um, I mean, Tommy, uh, Paul Heyman is one guy that comes to mind because, uh, you know, he he involved us in a lot of in ring pull aparts and storylines and stuff right. like that where we would be involved. But it, but at the same time, he realized that we were really legitimate security, so we couldn't take bumps and we couldn't get beat up. You got to be ready to go if something happens. Well, yeah. we we had to keep our image to the fans. So if we go in the ring and we're getting beat up, fans are going to go. These guys are nothing, right? So whenever it was good for us because whenever we got involved, we were put over. Now we were like the guys riding on the white horses and like <laughs> yeah. you know while everybody else is getting beat up when Atlas hits the ring and they're pulling every, everything stops. You know everything's cool. So that was good and. Um, it's just it's just been really good, and then, and now with, with with now with AEW, it's just it's just a whole new world, right? Like I said, where I thought, all right, this is it, and this starts. And to me, this is the three is the charm one. But um, it's crazy to see when you think about that Stargast one. It's only been one year, right? And so much has happened. Blink of an eye in that one year. No, it has. That first Starcast, and then when they were doing their own pay per view, you right. know that. Right. That feels like ten years ago. Now you think of all they've accomplished right. and put together Absolutely. so fast. But I mean, what they did was smart, and and I've said this to a few people backstage at some of the shows where, when we did TNA, it wasn't the people backstage that didn't make it work. We were the ones that made it work. It was the locker room. You're talking about is, is it the was, production people, the security, yeah. anybody that was pushing a broom backstage, or the lighting people, and just doing the, it, doing it. Those were the good things of TNA. So what AEW did, which I give them credit for, was they took all the best parts of TNA and just plugged it into AEW. So. When I do a show with these guys now, it's all the same people that I saw in TNA, the producers and the lighting guys and the cameramen and everything else. So it was easy for AEW to just say, well, let's get all of these guys. They're going to be our production people. They're going to be our security people. They already know what to do. They don't have to tell them anything. Right. You know, and it was just like, fine, man. It's, hey, how you doing? Good to see you again. And then we're back at it again. And it's like it, it, we never left. It was, started in the comfort zone. You're not exactly. You know exactly, and it yeah. makes it easier for everybody involved. That nobody has to learn anything. Every the wrestlers can do their thing, and, and security can do their thing, production do their thing, and everybody's all on the same page. Nobody has to go. What do I do here in this situation? I really don't know what to do, or you know, I've never did this before. So it's just the ring crew guys, everybody. It's just it, it hit the ground running, and it, it's almost like, like you said, it's only been a year and a lot happened in a year but it's like one of those things where if you're in a relationship and you break off and you see that girl again 10 years later you go wow you know what it's like we never left each other (laughs) it's the same thing with this it's just like wow man it's almost like TNA all over again 
with the people that made it work behind the scenes, only with with you know different management, better management. You know. So what do you think about the uh, what about the Starcast angle? Any stupid things at Starcast? Uh, no, no, no. Doing all three. I, I, yeah, I mean, it, I've done a lot of conventions. Um, I honestly don't enjoy doing conventions because ninety nine point nine percent of the time they're really disorganized. Yeah. This one has always been organized, and when we did it last year for the first time, I was like, "Wow, this thing's really pretty cool." It was organized. There was schedules. Um, Conrad was great to work with. Um, even people going through, you know, going through the crowd, hearing people talk about how it was run. I have never heard anything negative about anything, and, and it's it's just been it's just been good for us now for Atlas. Um, it's our reputation now precedes us. It's yeah. like we don't have to. We're there. If we're there, okay. But it, we've developed a we've developed a a bit of a, a relationship with the fans. Yeah. And I never set out to beat people up. Um, You're doing a job. He's doing a keep job. everybody right. safe. But at the same time, I always understood why they got the way that they got because it was important to them it was some you know they lived ecw or you know it was just and i understood that but obviously i can't just let things go hey you know what you want to jump in the ring and you know fight bubba go ahead you know obviously i can't let that happen but at the same time i understood why they did it and i knew that it wasn't anything done maliciously or whatever the the you know they this is what a lot of these people live for. They still chant it to this day, you know. So I mean, it's um, I never wanted to bully people, or and, and we're not, we're not. That's not the kind of people that I want to bring in. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's almost like on autopilot. Yeah, you know, but it's a different world now. There's no ECWs. The atmosphere. Right. I mean, you know, last night I always get the ECW fan. Hey, man, how was it crazy back then? And how different is it now? And it is different. It's more of an educated fan now. I think. Yeah. You know where it's it's still as passionate, just educated. Yeah, passionate in a different way. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. But it, it, it's it's more it's an older crowd. There's families and there's younger kids and stuff like that. It's not it's not. You know, drunken dirt bags that want to go to a show and and have fun <laughs> at whatever they have to do to have fun. I mean, that's the way it was. You know, I remember the first, when I got the phone call how I started in ECW was <clears throat> I do pro boxing shows also. So we had done a pro boxing show in Queens <clears throat> with a promoter that I had worked for in the past, but he brought in another promoter. They did it was a co promotion. So we did the boxing show, and uh, about a week or so later. The, my promoter guy calls me up. He goes, hey, this you're going to be getting a phone call from this guy named Steve Carroll. He, he's, uh, he's involved with ECW wrestling. And I'm going, what the hell is ECW? <laughs> I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. you know. So he goes, well, it's this renegade company based out of Philadelphia. And the fans bring weapons to the show, and you know, and I'm going. Wait a minute, <laughs> I don't know if I want to get involved in this. You know, <laughs> you know, weapons. He goes, no, no, no. We, we want you guys to be at the door taking the weapons away from the fans. So I'm like, okay, all right, that's cool. So the very first show we did was at uh, they had one of those tennis bubble places out in Staten Island, New York, and uh, uh, of course the Dudleys got in a fight in the crowd. By the front door, not by the ring, by the front door. So we had a wall run in there and break that up, and 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 
the funny part of that was it was Big Dick Dudley was beating the piss out of some fan at the front door. <laughs> now, I had known Big Dick from bouncing with him at a club on Long Island years before. So I'm going, Dick, 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 get off this guy. Get off the guy. Come on. It's not worth it, man. I'm getting arrested. So running down the hallway comes Bubba. So Bubba's like, Ronnie, 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 get him off the fan. Get him off the fan. He can't be doing that. So I'm like, no, I'm trying, Bubba. I'm trying. So I'm like, Dick, come on. Get off the guy. And Bubba's like, Bubba's like, Dick, get off the guy. You can't do that to him. So I get Dick off the fan. So I got him off the fan. Bubba started beating the fan. <laughs> he just wanted to take his place. So it's like, you know, he just did it for his own benefit, you know. But it's stuff like that. I'm like, shit, like, damn, man, what did I get myself into here, you know? And it was, uh, it was some comical times. And it, it was... Uh, it was it was it was fun. It was a good group of guys, and you know, for us traveling, like I said, we were sometimes ten, fifteen guys, and it was just it was good. It's 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 great, and I hope this thing here lasts forever because when you when you go on the road with these people all the time, you become a family. And and I remember in ECW went out of business. We were in, we were in Toronto, and me and my guys we just sat in the car and we, nobody said anything. Francine was backstage crying. This one was crying. That one was crying. Everybody's saying their goodbyes. And I'm, we sat in the car and I'm, nobody said anything for like 20 minutes. We were all stunned. Like, this yeah. is it. What do we do? Now what do we do? Is it real? So I'm like, all right. Did you, did you, did you hear rumors beforehand? I mean, did you oh, know yeah, it was coming? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We knew it was coming. coming. Well, there were money issues where guys weren't getting paid and, uh, you know, checks were bouncing. And you know stuff like that. It's always I mean, riding on the wall. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Guys were leaving because they weren't getting paid, right. and the, the, the contract, you know, it's breach contract, so they would go to different places or whatever, you know. So, um, but the writing was definitely on the wall. I remember, I remember saying to uh, Steve Carroll, who was the one that brought us in, he was the one that did the corporate motion. I remember saying, "Listen, I got to get money. I got to pay my guys." So I said, listen, the way things are going, the day is going to come where I'm going to be the only one standing by the ring. His answer to me was, well, right, well that's what it is. Like, oh, they just didn't, the writing was on the wall. And every time what was happening to us, we, we would do house shows, Paul Heyman stopped showing up. And we, we, would, we would keep getting the excuse of, you know, he's working on a TV deal for us. He's in L.A. right now, and he's meeting with this one. He's meeting with that one. Meanwhile, he was ready to go on to WWE. And we had a meeting at one of the shows. I was saying on a Saturday, and I think he was there. And he was telling us, you know, we're almost there. We're getting closer. We're almost there. And two nights later, he shows up on Raw. And it was like, you know, and, and for me, man, I, it hit me hard. It really hit me hard because. You, how long had you guys been working with them at that point? How many years? Uh, I would say probably a good, good five years, probably. Yeah, so we we got a lot of time in. Oh yeah. yeah, and then you know, like I said, it becomes a family, and then you know, for for us, it was a family within a family. You know, we had our Atlas family, and then we had the ECW family, and um, you know. When, like I said, the whole thing ended, like, what are we going to do? But we always said to ourselves, you know what? We're we we're going on the road, but we're more, having more fun. We're going on the road, having fun, not during the show. We're having fun going to all these cities. Yeah, you know, you're you know, you you know you're going in a couple of days before the show. So I remember sitting in the car, and I go, eventually, I go, I know what we're going to do. I said, you know what? Who needs wrestling? 
let's just go away every month anyway. <laughs> you know, like, that's why we were doing it to begin with. We're just you not going to travel. At that Obviously, point. we're not doing it for the money because we're not getting any. You know, so it was like, all right, you know, let's just go on the road now, and, and we'll we'll go to New Orleans, and we'll go to Miami, and we'll hit all these fun places. But of course, we never did because. You know, we had to pay for it. Yeah. You know. how, how long did you go at the end without getting full pay? Probably. <sighs> um, they ended up owing me. I, I really, I wasn't too bad. But see, my, my problem was, was that I booked all of our travel. So I would lay the money out for the hotels and the rental cars and the airfares for the Atlas guys. And then I would bill them and get reimbursed. And after a while, I wasn't getting reimbursed anymore. Mm. So... Um, there were times where they went out of their way to pay me because I kind of had them by the balls a little bit because if we weren't there, it's chaos. It's chaos. And they were smart enough to realize that, that we can't do it without these guys. I mean, you know, Bubba and Devon, they couldn't have done what they did if we weren't there. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but I mean, uh, you know, we paved the way for them to do the shit that they did. And then they got to the point where, you know, people weren't going to do anything with them because we were there, you know. And uh, if we didn't do it, what we did, they, you know, it would have been a different story, you know. And I never held that over the head and say, well, if you don't pay me, I'm not coming. I never did that. I just knew it. Not so much that. There was always hope. There was always hope that, all right, you know what, things are going to change this week. Uh, It didn't change. Uh, You know what, two weeks from now, we're hearing about, well, you know, this is going to happen. And. Uh, it didn't happen. So there was always hope that that's why we hung on. And my guys were really cool about it. You know, sometimes we'd go a couple of weeks without getting paid or whatever. And they were really cool about it because they understood. But again, when, when, you, when you become a family with these people, it's the same way it is now with AEW and the same way it was with TNA. You become a family. And it's not about the money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. These guys become your brothers and your sisters. And you, the dollar signs mean nothing. We're all in it together. You're all in it together. Let's survive. Know? Right. So now, you know, we're doing AEW. And now it's, I have to, you know, now you have Cody and you have Brandy who we have to keep an eye on. And it's all, now this is a new family for us. And um, it's become family really quick. I mean, this company here is, like I said, it feels like it's been forever. There's been no getting to know you, period. Um, Cody brought us in on his own, man, and he's been like, he's been one of the greatest guys that I've ever dealt with in the business. Just awesome. Awesome. Because a lot of things in wrestling is smoke and mirrors. Yeah. But Cody, he's up front. I even said to him, like, Cody, man, you know, like, that part of you isn't made for this business because that's not what I'm used to. I'm used to, like, yeah, you know what's real and what's not real. With him, it's real. With right. him, it's real, and he'll, you know, he'll, 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 every once in a while, shoot a text. Hey, man, how you doing? You know, you feeling good? And you know, is everything going good or whatever. And that means a lot. That means more to me than money. It really does. That's that family part of it. Exactly. You're not and, just a guy working with him. Absolutely, and it's just, and I say it. Like I like I'm telling you now, I say it to everybody that I run into. It's like how great this guy has been to to me and to us, and it's just so welcoming. And and we can't to me, I can't do enough for him. I really can't. Uh, do you did so when you when ECW goes under and and you see him on television, are you 
I mean, do you still have heat with with Paul? I never had heat with him. I never had heat with Paul. Have you even seen him? Since, talked I, to him. Since I him? had seen him. What happened now? Paul was the kind of guy where he will shoot you a text message every six months. And if you try calling him back right after you get that text message, the phone goes into voicemail. So it's almost like he sends out these little signals just to let you know that he's out there. But don't try and get calling back because right. he ain't going to answer. So out of the blue, I he sends me a text message. He did a he did a thing at a, at the Gotham Comedy Club in Manhattan with um, Jim Ross. Yeah, maybe it was before AEW, maybe two summers ago. He says, hey, man, if you want to come down, I'm doing this comedy thing, whatever. So uh, I go, all right, I'll come down. So I went down with one of the guys that works for me. And uh, Paul says, you know, we'll go out for dinner afterwards or whatever. I'm saying, oh, okay, fine. Now, I hadn't seen Paul since I stopped working for WWE, which was years before. Um, there was a few text messages back and forth, but I hadn't seen him. So we went to the Gotham and... Um, he was on stage with Jim Ross, and they were handing out. There was a guy walking around with a microphone to do questions, Q&A with <laughs> fans. So I said to the guy who was with me, he works for me. He's here today. And he go, I said, listen, ask him about the security. Grab the microphone. Say, hey, Paul, i got a question for you. You know, who did your security there? And, you know, uh, did you have riots there? And how did you control it, whatever? Because we were sitting in the back. So he couldn't see where we were, you know. So he asked the question, and Paul's like, well, you know, we didn't stop riots. We started riots. And But how did you maintain this and that thing, whatever? And he wasn't saying what I wanted him to say. Like, <laughs> well, we had this great security company. He didn't say that, you know. And I, I think I stood up, and I said, hey, what about Atlas? And he goes, Oh shit! Look who it is! Just come on up here, hey ladies and gentlemen. This is Ronnie Lang had out of security, and I'm going. Now I got to go up there. Thank God the crowd was chanting ECW, ECW. <laughs> Made it easy for me to go up there. If they were chanting "Fuck Atlas, Fuck Atlas," I wouldn't have gone up there. <laughs> you know. So it made it made it easy for me to, to go up on stage, right. and I'm like, yeah, all right, I have them on my side now. So when I went up there, it seemed like I was up there for an eternity, and I don't even remember what I said, but I thanked Paul, and it kind of was something I really felt like I need to do. I needed to do, um, just f for him. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Yeah, you know, just the way that he he. he the way he incorporated us in what he was doing to his advantage for TV. No, I want you guys around the wrestlers when they walk out. It looks more fierce like the Yeah, crowds. puts it tense. Exactly. Raises like, the stakes. Exactly. And he saw that. So all of those things combined is what made it, what made it progress for me to be where I am now. And, and, and I never really felt like I ever said, hey, Paul, man, thanks a lot. But I went up on stage... I thanked him and you know gave him a hug and everything. I'm like, you know, Paul, you know, I really thank you for everything you did or whatever. And I got off the stage and I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> we were supposed to go to dinner afterwards. That never happened, okay? And I never, I never got a hey, Ronnie, thanks for putting me over text or anything like that. And I was going, Dan, did I say the wrong thing? I don't even remember what I said. And you I'm like, said thank you, so, thank you. so I'm looking online now. I'm still looking online for like, okay, wait, is there a video of this? Because I need to know what was I said, you know? Because when I got up there, I was just, didn't expect to go up, and I was just in a blur. 
okay? And I'm yeah. like, give me the microphone. You know, I'm like, oh, Paul, you know, because I had the crowd going, ECW, ECW, Atlas, Atlas, Atlas. So I was in the zone, you know, and even Jim Ross is sitting there like, who's this guy? You know? So uh, that's the last time I spoke to him. You know, so no heat, but just to, just no, never any heat, that. never any heat. Matter of fact, there was one time where Paul had uh, the last show we did was in Poplar Bluff, Arkansas, or something. And I remember uh, going to the airport, and the deal was we weren't going to go. And Paul says, "No, I need you guys to be there, and you know, I'll make sure you have cash at the end of the night." And I remember driving to the airport with the guys in the car, and I'm going, I can't believe I'm doing this. I don't even know I'm getting paid at the end of the show. <laughs> but we did it. And at the end of the night, there was cash there for me. It wasn't the right amount, because I remember the, the guy, the, the, uh, the ECW uh, house show manager there, and I said, this isn't the right amount. He got Paul on the phone that night, and then he gave me the right amount. So he did try to do what he what he did you know but like i said man you know it wasn't really a it was never about the money at all it was the fun of the whole thing and and um the relationships and everything yeah i mean i've been doing it what now over what about 25 27 years now i think i started in 98 and so 21 years my numbers are off but uh I never thought that I'd ever still be doing this. And all the people that I've met along the way, it's just been great. You know, it really has. And, and I think we crossed the line, Atlas, Atlas crossed the line from being security to being, I don't want to say a celebrity, but being uh, recognized. It's a known entity, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think we crossed that line somewhere in TNA because TNA uses a lot a lot for a lot of stuff and I remember sometimes sitting home going holy shit this is the Atlas Security Show <laughs> there was a couple of weeks there in a row where we was just like we were involved in everything and I was stuck at the time I had a full time day job so these were shows I couldn't go to right. and I was sitting home going damn you know, now they're using us like crazy. I can't be there. <laughs> you could have you know? got all but the funny thing was, one of the, the highlight of the career for me was, uh, after all the years, was uh, we had to do a pull-apart in TNA with Sting and Hulk Hogan. And uh, Hogan, obviously, was one of growing up was one of my favorite wrestlers. And I liked Hogan. I liked Sting. I liked Warrior and Roddy Piper. Even though I wasn't really a wrestling fan, there was something cool about all those guys. And Hogan, to me, was uh, Thunderlips. <laughs> yeah. Right, so right. he was more Thunderlips to me from Rocky than he was Hulk Hogan the wrestler, you know. So I'm like, damn, all right, you know what? It'd be cool to meet that guy. So this is when he had the sex tape thing going on. Oh yeah. So we did a, a little chaotic. Right, we did a. Uh, on my idea, I called the TNA. I said, listen, you really should have somebody go with him on this tour that he's doing. All right, we'll get back to you. I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is there to think about? You know, send the guy out there on his own, you know. So we ended up going with him. We went to Howard Stern show. We went to the Morning America, a few other places or whatever. And I got to know him really well. Really, really cool guy. And, um, you know, so we were at a show. It was a pay-per-view, I'm thinking. And I remember where it was. And we had to do a pull-apart in the ring with Sting and Hogan. I mean, come on. There's a... That's what, yeah. That's <laughs> pinnacle right there. Uh, yeah. So... Hard to get two bigger names in there. And I, so now Hogan's in the ring. He's on the microphone, and he's in there by himself, and I'm sitting in the corner, and I'm going, holy shit. 
Like, I never got nervous before. I'm getting nervous on this one. And I got the stairs in front of me, and I go into the ring, and I'm looking at the stairs, and I'm going, right, should I take the first stair or the second stair? Or should I take the third stair? And we got to go between the top rope and the middle rope, and I go between the middle rope and the bottom rope, and, th- and I'm going, holy shit. This is all in three seconds. Yeah. And, and I'm, this is before Sting even came out, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> they're all watching us in the back, you know? And it was me and one of my guys. We're in a bunch of us. So if I fucked it up... <laughs> It's on you. It's on me. (laughs) And I'm going through all these things in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Like, this is Sting and Hogan. This is Thunderlips, man. You know? (laughs) So it's getting close. And here comes Sting now. And and now Sting grabs the microphone. And and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And I'm saying, even now to Sting, I'm going, how the hell did I ever do that? And when Sting says the magic words of he turns around to Hogan and Hogan says, you know, get out of my ring. And Sting starts to turn and walk away, and he stops. And he turns all around and gets in Hogan's face and says, make me. Well, that was our cue to go. So off we went. And I, don't, I can't tell you what step I hit. <laughs> I, I can't ask. tell you what rope I no, went no, under. I just went. And, and it, it, I have this thing now of, because obviously I have bad knees and I'm older now, and I don't have the... Uh, the the, uh, the positive feeling I used to have about going into a ring anymore, <laughs> and uh, I'm fine once I get in, and I'm fine on the floor. It's getting in because I I'm like shit. You know what? What if I hit the side of the the side of the ring and I stop, <laughs> or you know I fall off or something? <laughs> ECW when ECW we used to hit the ring with like 15 guys. So if you screwed up. You, you, you blend it into the you crowd, yeah. Because the more screwed up it looks, the better it looks. The it looks more, chaotic. The, the more realistic it looks. Yeah. But in this situation, this whole angle depended on me and one other guy. And it's not you know, two unknown wrestlers <laughs> staying in Hogan. So I'm like, shit, man, this is what it came to. I'm <laughs> like, wow. So we did it. And I'm, so I'm, that was the highlight of my career. But it's just something that will always stick with me and and you know, like how did i how did i do it you know like i did it i pulled it off and it, that's probably the last time i could even say I, I i don't think at this stage i could even do it now i'd be too nervous and i don't know why i've done it a thousand times but it's just i've got this thing now it's like oh you need us in a spot all right i'll tell my guys you guys do it right i'll wait for you on the floor or i'll you know i got bad knees now and you know that's hard enough for me to walk around yeah and that's just getting up the stairs well, that's from doing all this stuff yeah you know i mean with ecw man we were <clears throat> we were on the floor doing the show and there was a a fight going on up in the the third deck we were over the guardrails and up to the third deck to break it up you know another funny story we're in poughkeepsie um and uh at the mid hudson civic center the way they have that place set up is that it's not there's no chairs really around the ring it's it's kind of like almost like on a stage and there's big big bleachers in front of the stage okay. and some floor chairs so i'm down i'm down by the entrance way the show's going on i look up in the bleachers like all the way up to the top and there's this guy up there in a tuxedo like join with another guy who's sitting in the sitting in his seat join and join join and it looks like they're gonna go out or whatever and again we were the only ones so i'm like what the fuck is going on up there now you know so i leave my spot and i go all the way up there so uh i grab this guy <laughs> again i remember i wasn't a wrestling fan growing up 
that's going to come into play here. <laughs> so uh, I, I go up there and, and, and I grab this guy. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, oh, no, it's okay. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. He goes, I'm a worker. So I go, well, if you're a worker, you shouldn't be taking the, the attention off of the ring. You're taking everybody's looking at you now. They're not watching the match. No, no, no. It's okay. Paul Heyman said it's okay. I go. I don't give a shit what Paul Heyman said. I said you're causing a disturbance up here. I said you're out of here. Dude's in a tuxedo. Like okay. So I throw him out of the place. Show goes on. Show ends and everything. So now we go downstairs to the locker room. So I'm getting changed after the show. And Dreamer comes up to me and he goes, "I tell you, man. He goes, your Atlas guys never cease to amaze me." I go, "Why? What now?" He goes, "You know who you threw out tonight?" I go, "I go, yeah, I knew who I threw out. I threw out some asshole in a fucking tuxedo." <laughs> he goes, "No, that was Bob Backlund." <laughs> Because at the time, Bob Backlund was was running for some kind of an office, political office in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> and he wanted the publicity. And he showed up in a tuxedo. And, and the guy that he was yelling at in the crowd was a plant. He just wanted to get his name in the papers. You know, Bob Backlund fights for Poughkeepsie's rights or whatever the hell it may be. That's great. So I don't know who the hell it was. So Jima goes, you know who he threw out? I go, yeah, some asshole in a tuxedo was creating a disturbance up there. He goes, no, that was Bob Backlund. I go, all right, well, to me it was an asshole in a tuxedo. <laughs> Now, if, it had been, if I had known wrestling, I would have went, hey, you're Bob Backlund, right? Yeah. You know? And it wasn't until afterwards I go, oh, yeah, it was Bob Backlund. Oh, yeah, now I see the reason. <laughs> I see a picture of him online. I'm going, oh, shit, that was Bob Backlund. All right. Sorry, Bob. I've never seen him since, you know. But if it was somebody I had known, obviously, would have said, dude, you know, he can't do this, you know. But he even said to me, no, Paul Heyman said it's okay. Any fan could have told me that. Right. I go, dude, I don't give a I'm shit. I'm sure that you got heard that many oh, fan, times. I don't give a shit what Paul Heyman told you. You're out of here. <laughs> he didn't tell you, so you're out. He didn't tell me. You don't know about it. You... And, he didn't, and he didn't say to me on the way out, I'm Bob Backlund. If he did, I would have said, oh, okay. All right, let me just take it to the back then because I'll yeah. check with Paul. He didn't say shit to me. He just went. <laughs> he didn't say two words to me. Your reputation proceeded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, man, I could write. I could write a book on this shit. Something I remember. The more we talk about it, the more the more I do remember it. You know, what I'm saying yeah. little little bits and pieces. I have one guy that works for me that can tell you, you know, like what was on what was what was catering that night at every building we ever went to. I can't remember that. I, another funny story. ECW, uh, we're in Pittsburgh, and New Jack was on the card, and New Jack had a warrant out for his arrest in Pittsburgh. He wasn't even supposed to be at that show, but they worked out some kind of a deal for him to be there. What, do you remember what it was for? What? Why he had the warrant out? What what the, what the warrant was for? Yeah. I don't remember. I, I, but y'all just knew ahead of time he's got well, it. Well, we were told him. ahead of time that they're, they're kind of coming to get him. So I said, all right, you know, so the way the building was set up, all the, all, the, all the parking for the talent was in the back of the building, and there was a bunch of different doors there. So uh, Paulie says, uh, it tells, you know, it tells me, you know, listen, these guys might be coming down for Jack or whatever, you know, he worked out some kind of a deal with them. The deal was when the show is over, they're going to take him. I said, okay, you know, whatever. <clears throat> so like six or eight sheriffs show up. And uh, the agreement was after his match, they're going to take him away. So Jack says, listen, Ron, I need you to do me a favor. After my match, I'm going to go through the curtain. Can you get me out of here? Oh, no. I says, all right, Jack, that's what you want me to do, you know. So 
they were on each side of the curtain. He does his match, and match is over. I had a car waiting for him outside in the back, running with one of my guys in it. So he walks through the curtain after the match. We took him right through the back door into the car and took off. <laughs> now, they didn't know where he went. And they didn't know that we took him. You know what I'm saying? So the cop's like, where'd he go? I was like, he vanished, you know? And they were like, I, said, I don't know. I don't know where he went. And then he got away. He got away. So because the, I thought, I mean, if you just go, we don't see him, then they assume yeah, he's I mean, on he his own. he got away on his own. I mean, you know, I, watch, <laughs> I'll get arrested in Pittsburgh now. But, uh, yeah, so that's another funny story that, you know, it's like uh, the things you do for family, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, and we got to know them so well and the ins and outs of the way that they were. And, you know, it just, it was just crazy. It was, it was just a crazy, you know, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It really that was, was. The good days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I know we're both, uh, you got a lot going on here as we're on our final day of StarCast. So before, real quick, before, any fun Dreamer or Francine stories? Anyone you want to end on? Dreamer or Francine stories? Either one. Any just fun story? Oof. They were, they were like two of the... <laughs> well, the Dreamer story was probably the one about Bob Backlund. Yeah. Okay. Francine, no. Nothing really... Uh, Wow, of all the people, you had to throw those two normal people at. Well, anybody. Well, just any funny story then. Who else gave it? Because we've talked about Dudley's and we've talked about Dreamer. And Francine's been mentioned. And now she was in the middle of it. <laughs> well, there was a, we did a, uh, an indie show. It was like a hardcore reunion show. Oh, Sandman. I'll give you a Sandman story. <laughs> That's always a good one. Yeah. So. We never went out with Sandman after shows. We usually used to go out with Bubba because Bubba always wanted us with him because he would start the fights and he'd have <laughs> us finish the fights. He knew he was going to have to call Exactly. Him. So our, our night never ended with him. So one night we were in Pittsburgh and there was, it was an indie show that we did, but it was like a hardcore reunion show because Fonzie was there and Sandman was there and everything. Francine was there and... Uh, I never hung out with Sandman at all. So this one night, we went to this bar across from the hotel. Me, Sandman, I remember who else was there. And first of all, Sandman doesn't let you pay for anything. Okay. But my man was like in the kitchen cooking and shit, Sandman. He's like, what do you want? I'm going to probably have you know a cheeseburger. I don't worry. I'll take care of it. My man got up, and we, he, was, he was flinging pancakes back in the kitchen. And everything. Sandman's <laughs> cooking at the bar? He's co- no, he's cooking. It was, it was like a Denny's or something. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he was in the back just flipping you know, stuff around, whatever. And, he, and, and, and the waitress comes over. He says, oh, this is Ronnie. He goes, me and him went to high school together. Uh, he, was, he was the quarterback, and I was the receiver. And this, and I'm going, where's he coming up with all this shit? You know? So... That same night, now he, he, keep in mind now he's still in his ring gear, you know, with the with the cuts on his forehead from the beer can, <laughs> still bleeding, blood on his shirt and whatever pants he had on. So we, that's the way he went out to dinner. He went out to eat. <laughs> so we go back to the hotel, and Francine, Francine was waiting for him to get on the shuttle to go to the airport. So Francine got on the shuttle with him, and Sam's head was still bleeding. And he gets on the shuttle, and people are looking at him like, what's up with this guy? You know, like, 
And Francine's going, no, no, he's okay. He's okay. He's with me. I'll take care of him. And then she told me later on that when he got on, they almost weren't going to let him get on the plane. Because he was still bleeding. He's still bleeding? Yeah, he was still, and he had the cuts on his head and everything, and you know, and he's drunk off his ass, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, the only missing was the cane, the Singapore cane, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she, they let it get, she goes, listen, I'll get on a plane with him. And she told me the story, and that they weren't going to let him get on, and when he got on the plane, he just kind of passed out. And oh, God, it was probably the, the saving grace. His, you know? So, I mean, I wasn't involved in that. It was a little bit. But I, I said, damn, man, if I'd known Sandman was like that, I would have hung out with him a hell of a lot more times. That was the better party. I went with the bars with him and everything, so I wouldn't have to bring no money with that me. That was a fun party. He was like, don't worry, man, I got it. And when he says, I got it, I thought he was, you know, don't worry about it, I'll pay for it. When he, what he meant was, I got it. I mean, I'm going to go in the back and cook this shit. <laughs> Talk about seeing an image if you're an AC Dub fan and you look back and you see Sandman in the kitchen of a Denny's. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for the time. It was great. Let's do it again the next one, right? It was good talking to you. It really was. Thank you. Ronnie Lang, my man. Thanks, everybody, for checking us out again. more of Casio in between podcast episodes? You can listen to the Jimbo and Casio Morning Show live 6 to 10 a.m. Central on therocket951.com. In my head, I'm a hunter. I really would like to get out there. I like the thought of being in the woods. Maybe put some camo paint on your face. <laughs> what about turkeys? You yeah. You get out there with a the turkey I, Yeah, I heard. Yeah. Sure. I'd try it. I'd try it. I'm not sure if I'd be any good, but I'd certainly try it. By the way, you just gave me zero. That was a pretty good turkey call impression. You know, I was thinking, wow. But you didn't give me anything. <laughs> well, I needed more on it. I felt like I nailed it. It was. You really did. Well, now i got to hear it again. <laughs> now, what are you? Are you? Are you? Was that a boy turkey calling well, girls? Yeah, it's, or? A gobbler. <laughs> it's a gobbler. I don't know. You just know what it is. I don't know what wild turkey is. I know what it sounds like. <laughs> it sounds like me hitting the dance floor. That's what it sounds like. Listen live online or download the Rocket app for your tablet or smartphone. Just search WRTT Rocket 95.1 in the Apple or Google Play Store.